You're listening to Back to the Light with J.D. Rieger. Hey everybody, welcome to yet another episode of Back to the Light. I am your host, J.D. Rieger. This week on the show, we're talking to my good friend, the very funny comedian, Caroline Allen. Let's get into it. Nancy Caroline Allen. Indeed. Indeed. Thanks for getting up this morning to meet me and talk to me on the podcast. Cool. It's weird. Do we look at each other in the eyes? We can. Okay. The entire thing. Don't look away. Okay. Don't look away. This is an exercise. Yeah. It's a trust exercise. Mm-hmm. So should we start at the beginning? I mean, sure. It seems like a good place to it start. It does. Memphis Harding Academy. <laughs> the hallowed halls. The hallowed halls of Memphis Harding Academy. Um, what you should we just, do? Just should we just spit free associate Harding okay. Academy? Uh, chapel. Chapel. Dress up day. Bible. Coach Williamson. Um. Miss Markhart, no, Miss McCart and Miss Markhart. Yeah, yeah. Both different characters. R.I.P. Paul Goddard. Let's get serious. We can get Paul, si- Paul Goddard was probably one of the the best ones at heart. Yeah, he was one of the people that probably kept me, like, made it possible for me to graduate and survive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, say what you will about him, but I always kind of knew he was one of those people that got it. You know, he introduced me to Kraftwerk, actually. The band, the band Kraftwerk. Oh. You know, like Bon Bon, not the Autobahn, Kraftwerk. The no. Computer World. They're like the first electronic band from the 70s. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. He made me a mixtape when I was in like eighth grade and it had uh, Autobahn on one side by uh, Kraftwerk and on the other side he put some like Deep Purple and other, other shit like that. Yeah, yeah. He was way cooler than he let on. Yeah. I can always tell. But I think he got me, you know, so. Not in a gross way. But, but not, yeah, no, not in a gross way. But in like a, I see you, weird girl. <laughs> Maybe, right, is that weird? Is that no, weird? It's not weird. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like my first awareness of, of Nancy Caroline Allen, and I'm just gonna use your full name. Do it because that was the thing back in the day. NCA. <laughs> Uh, was, you know, we don't have to mention anyone by name, but a mutual acquaintance of ours had Uh something of a crush on you. Indeed. I'm going to say indeed a lot, because yes is so boring. I say it a lot, too. Yes is just too little. Last, one of my last, uh, no, you can cough, it's okay. One of my my last wrestling podcast tapings, I noticed that I said indeed in, like, every guest, and I was like, ooh, I gotta rain this in. (laughs) Right. Like, are there other words? At some point, let's brainstorm other words, or should we put a pin in what we were talking about, brainstorm other words? We can pen, then we can brainstorm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, indeed, in, indubitably, that seems like too much. I don't say that much. I don't have a problem with that. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll say um a lot, probably. Mm, you know, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's hard to avoid. Meow. Meow? Meow. Are you trying, are you playing the meow game? Meow. Like, that is could be a Is this Super yes. Troopers? This is the meow game? <laughs> 
Okay, back to it. So Harding, Memphis Harding Academy, Nancy Caroline Allen, mutual friend. Mutual friend. We could just say Justin. We could say Justin. Okay. Yeah. Hey, Justin. You know, there's lots of Justins been through the hallowed halls. Indeed. It's, it's, Justin is a white Christian name, indeed. It is. It is. Right? It's a biblical name, is I it, think. Is it biblical? It's the, the 13th apostle. Yeah, the 13th of Justin. <laughs> That's, that's apocrypha, though. Right. <laughs> and, and Catholic in their mind. Right, definitely. You know, like, we didn't... That was... Desecration of the Lord. That was idol worship. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways... That, so, it's a weird way to kind of become aware of a person. Right. To know them as someone else's sort of fantasy girl. <laughs> that's how you got to know me. <laughs> I was the original Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Did you not know? But like twist, I don't know. Is what is a Manic Pixie Dream Girl? I don't even know. Honestly. I don't know. I, I didn't really <clears throat> see myself in that way until I noticed a pattern in my dating, and I was like, all these guys are looking for a Manic Pixie Dream Girl. You're pretty tall. Is that like part of it? Sure. Okay. Think about. Um, Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. And the girl on the rollerblades. Yeah. She's not little, but she's a manic. She's basically the quintessential manic. And you think you carry that energy? I know I do. <laughs> Check the record books. Yeah. Look, look Dream at it. girl. <laughs> Indeed. Unicorn. That, that has Unicorn. to be kind of a heavy thing. I mean, were you aware? Like, how, at the time, were you aware of, like, it's. Our mutual friend and the way his emotions were, the way he expressed his emotions. Well, I mean, and also just that, you know, it just seemed like a lot of weight to carry, like, you know. It was annoying, but for some reason I was able to, like, I mean, you annoyed me, and when I think about you in high school, I'm like, ugh, all he did was talk about Justin. And, um... I really didn't spend that much time thinking about Justin, except for when it happened, just because I was really nerd-busy. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. You were super nerd-busy in high school. Like, I was, like, the ultimate nerd-busy. You were, you were the actress? Yeah. You were you were doing the band thing? Yep. Rocking the flute? Right. Acapella. Acapella. Triple threat. People called, we called you a triple threat. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> yeah. The triple threat. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't hold them off really anybody boys girls teachers to a certain extent uh, I do think that like it's kind of a weird thing it was probably a weird experience for like girls of a certain I don't know ilk or Uh something to grow up because like at Harding like nerdy smart boys had very limited options yeah so like small nerdy smart smart boys I'm sorry it's just let's be real well I'm talking about myself now too I'm setting aside you know like uh, you were small though I mean you were smaller than you are now but we all were right I'm just saying you know like I wasn't you know gunning for Lisa Huddleston or something you know really sorry to bleep that out um, you know. Are you talking about like batting within your range? Are you I saying guess. that like Justin and I were in the same league? I think the more we say his name now, the more <laughs> the more wrong it gets. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying that like for like creative nerdy types, you know, there are a 
only so many options. <laughs> I mean, sure. A lot of guys had crushes on me, but they it was very like breakfast clubby, like we can't talk to you in the hallway. And it's such a small environment too, you it know. It really like, is. I think so my tight. class had like 70 people. <laughs> but seriously, so many guys. And even after high school, just I like. Mean, I, I've talked to Charlotte Tolly about this, and you know, it was kind of a gauntlet for her. Yeah. And so I've kind of just yeah. they, this line of questioning is coming from that sort of uh, right, like, background so Charlotte knowledge. Gorgeous, and you were really ugly, Carolyn. Oh my god. No, I was comparing <laughs> the two of you, saying that you had similar experiences. Similar experiences, yeah. Did she have a lot of guys that wouldn't talk to her out, like at school, but would talk to her outside of school? Oh, I don't know about that, but I know, you know. Like, I mean, everybody but I know all the, in like, our friend group. All the band dudes and all the. Oh, all the band dudes, yeah. And all the chorus and actor dudes in my class were all going for, you know, the CT. <laughs> She was gorgeous. Is still gorgeous. Yeah, she's cool. Natural beauty. We hung out in Knoxville last time I was there. Yeah. She's cool. She's doing good things. Yeah, like running uh, farmers markets and shit. Yeah. What did you do? Nothing. You used to do some farming stuff, right? I did. I tried it for a while. We're just going to bounce around. It's fine. It's how my brain works. Yeah. So what, um, I try to tell these stories when I talk to people. I try to tell them, you know, in a linear sort of a way. Right. So, I know that when you left Harding, which is a Christian school, mm -hmm. you went straight into another one. A Christian college, Abilene Christian University. And that's, and that's where you wanted to study acting. Exactly. And find myself a nice, good Christian husband. At the time, was it like, like the the faith part of it, like versus the creative arts drive, like how how like how much pull was there in each direction? I think I, I think the pull was harder towards Christianity, and I'm not sure why. I think. I don't know, I just like it. I was so groomed to like want like a beautiful Christian man, I guess, to look up to, to feel like. Like a youth pastor sort of fellow. Yeah, grossly, yeah. And I did, I did really well. Are, are you, are we working towards that? <laughs> I mean, we don't have to, but we can. I have, I mean, I've actually done a podcast on this trauma. Yeah. With another guy, um, Eric Berry, that I met in Chicago, that did a sex podcast. Nice. You, were you a guest or you did a whole series? Of, I was a guest, spot. but then okay. I also would be kind of the straight man in some of his shows with like sex workers. Mm. And then I now you I'd could be, be like, arrested for being a straight man in Tennessee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I would be like, are you? Uh, we met a girl that was a phlebotomist that would like people would pay her to do blood stuff with them, Ooh. like just draw their blood and play blood with stuff? it. Then I was like, you're the devil. Is that okay to say? Are you the devil? <laughs> like that kind of thing. That was my job on the, but it came naturally to me. So sure. It was, like, was your years at Second City. Exactly. Yeah. We're just bouncing around. Yeah, we are. We're just, anyway, so back to Christian schools. So yeah, I went to Abilene Christian University, but I majored in theater, so we were kind of the outliers, and it was a good, like, weird group to be a part of. I remember when we came to visit, and when I say we, I met the Henrys, 
you guys went to Abilene? Yeah. I, I thought you might have been there for some reason, but maybe not. When was it? I don't know. After after high school. Okay. We did a Texas thing, and we went to Ab we went to Abilene. Yeah. And we saw some old former Hardy people there. I was in I was lumping you in with that group, but maybe right. I, maybe I was just wishful thinking. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I was there. Yeah, maybe you were. What was your what were your um, what was your impression of Abilene? It was a weird place. Yeah. You know, we had a weird time there anyway because, uh, long story short, Tommy Bateman's aunt brought us out there and promised us all these crazy gigs and then they literally all fell apart. So we were hanging out in, in the greater Abilene area. Right. Like, let's try to find some gigs since we're here. And that was an adventure in and of itself. Did you find some gigs? Yes, we did. We played at like a TGI Fridays type place in a mall. And we found Abilene had like a dirty punk rock club. We found it and we went and played it. I feel it. like I've been to the dirty punk rock club. And then club we played the Christian Coffee House on campus. Yeah. And then we played the grand opening of like a putt putt. <laughs> Like, we cooked up so many crazy gigs while we were there. That's awesome. Yeah. If only the South really valued art the way they should. It really doesn't anywhere. Although, I will say, in Illinois, I did uh, win an artist grant uh, during the pandemic. There's a lot more artist opportunities, and that's yeah. why the people go there. That's why you went there. Yeah. For Second City. Yeah, for Second City. But anyway, back to Christian College. <laughs> yeah, let's go to what people really want to hear about. Not the legendary comedy institution. No, not that, at all. Not, not Michael those Hallow Gelman. Not my those first, hallowed halls. My first teacher in Second City, Michael Gelman. Really? Who was in a book that I read before, like in high school, about Second City. He's like one of the original kind of members and teachers. And, you know, That's cool. He worked with Mike Myers when Mike Myers was there. How do you just not, like, do the Chris Farley show with that guy? And you're like, do you remember when Mike Myers was here? Here's the thing. So, like, I was kind of one of the oldest ones in my class. You know, I was, like, 33, and everyone else was in their 20s. Um, and they all wanted to do, you know, they were like, we want to be on stage and, like, show off for each other. And Gelman talked a lot because he was an old man. And I was like, I want to listen to Michael Gelman. Gelman, like, introduce me to the hall, the hallowed hall of Second City, which is in kind of a shopping mall sort of thing with like a Chipotle and a Starbucks. So. Mm, very Chicago. Very Chicago. One of the busiest star Starbucks in the country. Naturally. So, in Old Town Chicago. Not, yeah, in Old Town Chicago. Was, was that experience, because I'm sure you went into like getting into sh to Second City with like a certain amount of like lofty expectations? Absolutely. absolutely. So, what is it? Does it actually live up to them when you do it? I mean, okay, here's the thing. In a way, it really does kind of give you an insight into what that life would be. Because if you want it, you just take it, right? But you have to work really hard. And I guess at some point you decided that was not for you. Right. And you have to be nice all the time <laughs> to people. Like fake nice? Yeah, people were very fake nice. It was hard to tell. And that was difficult for me emotionally. Um, I guess... Because I suffered from depression as well. And yeah. it was it was not an easy thing for me to be fake friends with a bunch of people. See, I find that, you know, I'm kind of involved in the wrestling world, and I often find that I have a hard time telling when people are being sincere with me or not. Yeah. And I could only imagine that in the comedy world, the same would be true. Right. Well, but the thing 
is before I went to Chicago, I was in Atlanta and I was working with amazing people. Um, just super creative. And, you, and when you say work, were you doing like stand up or were you doing, doing improv? improv? Okay. And we were doing long form, we were doing musical improv, we were doing. Uh, doing Wayne Brady shit? <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. But, um, but so inspired. I mean, we, we would just play pretend on stage. Yeah. And people would be like, oh my god, you're so funny. Just like that. Um, that's how you hear. I think when people give you a compliment, I know that's kind of how I hear it is in like a sarcastic Charlie Brown voice. Whatever. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Um, tip your waitresses, sort of thing. But um, when you went up there, were you thinking like, I'm gonna do this, and then I'm gonna like, fucking, I'm gonna be on Mad TV, or I'm gonna be on what? You know, I'm gonna go found my own Mr. Show troupe, or like, what, what did you think it was like? What was your end goal for doing it? I'm gonna host the Tonight Show. The Daily Show. There you go. Really. Dream, let's talk. Let's talk dreams. What I realized was that my dreams were not solid enough. I think what they do you mean? were. I spent a lot of time doing things that people expected me to do. You know what I mean? Like you should do this. You should do that. Well, just like doing what people. You mean in comedy or in life? Like in you life. should go to college. That sort of decision. Right. Or like, you know, you should be famous. You know, people would say that to me a lot too. And I had this weird breakdown one day before a, an audition where I like couldn't find my headshot and I had a panic attack. I was having a ton of panic attacks. It was really bad. And, um, and I was just crying uncontrollably. And in my head, I was like, if you really gave a shit, you would have already had your headshot ready. You know, but instead of it being like a slap in the face, it was like, if you really gave a shit about it. was an awakening. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, does that make me a loser? I don't think so. I mean, I think deciding that you don't want something anymore and then changing course is, hell no. I mean, look at me. Right. For Christ's sakes. Well, James Baldwin says that, um, I can look up the quote, but he says that, you know, a man will lose, you know, a thousand dreams. Mm. Is that, is he the youngest of the Baldwins? <laughs> Alec and... Yeah. Or... Sorry. Are you serious? <laughs> Sorry, it was just a bad Baldwin's joke. It was, but yeah, he is the youngest. He's the, he's the black one. Can you edit that out? <laughs> no, it's fine. Leave it's fine. it in. Honestly, I think, yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's a Memphis audience. Um, it is. I feel like it would have been better if I'd said that with more confidence, though. Yeah, and if you hadn't walked it back. Yeah. Damn it. That's okay. He's the black one. Yeah. But yeah, one of my favorite writers. That's cool. Yeah. I'll look it up. James Baldwin. He, you know what? A very, very good book that he wrote. So, I've, have you been, have you found yourself coming to terms with uh, Memphis Harding Academy and that kind of life philosophy? 
philosophy because I'm trying to. I'm working on it. Hilariously, uh, next week Eric and I are going to the Howard Halls, and we are going to be taping an episode of this podcast in Trent Williamson's office. Oh my goodness! Or somewhere. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> on Wednesday. Okay. Are you excited? I am excited. Uh, I'm. You know, I think that there's a possibility. I mean, I'm sure that there's some places that he wouldn't go or couldn't go, you know, conversationally. But I think we'll still have a pretty open and honest assessment of the way things used to be, you know? Because I think he's he's all about, like, breaking new ground over there and, you know, setting a new... Precedent? Precedent, standard, something, you know? So... We'll have an interesting conversation, and I'll probably also thank him for, like, you know, playing a part in helping to, like, save my life or something. Yeah. Yeah. Did he... He probably doesn't know to the, the extent. Yeah. You know. But there was a time very... Where I was, like, kind of transitioning my friend groups. Uh, mm-hmm. I was moving away from, like, my Raleigh Harding friends and into, like, my band people friend group. Yeah. Um, but there was kind of a down, long, down time in between where I wasn't really hanging out with people as much. And he was one of my best friends, honestly, you know. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of a good, like, every man. Yeah. And he's one of those people that... The sincerity of his faith almost made me want to believe. Because I have a very distinct memory of him pulling me out of chapel one time when I was talking. And he was talking about how, like, I was distracting people from the worship experience and how the sacrifice that Jesus made, you know, demanded more respect for that and more respect for the surroundings of people who were trying to worship. And he cried. He broke down and cried right in front of me. He got so worked up about it. And I know, you know, it still affects me. Like, I wish, I wish that I felt what he feels. Right. Do you feel what he feels about something, about anything else? Um, you know, like humanity and love or something, maybe. But okay. Then you feel that, you feel the way that you feel. I wish I felt that way about, like, the spiritual, religious realm. I, I Why? Think I, I envy the security blanket, I think. I feel the opposite. Really? I think because of my experience. So, like, I reached the highest level that you can really, well, the second highest level that you can really reach in the Church of Christ as a woman, right? Which is, like, what? I was engaged to a minister. He was okay. a youth minister, which is, you know, like, 1B or whatever. How's that? So they let you, like, cook? I remember in Harding there was a moment. Do you remember when we had that thing called Majesty? You remember Majesty? It was a group of boys and and girls that would get up and they would sing, they would stand in front of chapel and they would sing like sort of leading songs and encouraging, you know, student participation. But it got shut down because a lot of the old school male teachers were like, you know, women can't be leading songs. That really hasn't changed. Yeah. the biggest issue for me with the Church of Christ. Like, I don't even have an issue... I don't have an issue with, you know, being Christian or whatever. I don't... I wouldn't call sure. myself... Sure. One of my best friends in the world is Catholic. So, because I can... Because I feel like it's a way to describe love, if that makes sense. And the, but anyway, let's not get off of the lap. I mean, you can. <laughs> I will, but like in an easier way, maybe. Which is? So, when 
news organization that, you know, tells people this is truth, this is okay. what's inside of you, what's in your heart, this is why you exist, okay. um, and here are the rules. And one of the rules is women cannot teach men. Okay, let's put a period at the end of that, but what comes after that? Anything, really. I mean, if you take it literally, you know, women are not supposed to even, like, speak in the building. Right. So, it's like... Or women are not supposed to question their husband. You know, it says, like, yeah. if you have a if a woman has a question about faith, she should ask her husband at home. Right. And, I mean, I mean, if you if you are confused about politicians and should. things like that, it makes perfect... I mean, listening to these... It's, it's, a, it's a trauma response when I hear politicians say stuff like that. Like, you know, women need to... If, there was a whole thing about health insurance, and it was like, if your health insurance is too expensive, women, then you need to get on your husband's plan or whatever. Like, yeah. And that's literally that line of thinking. And it, as a woman that is intelligent and hilarious, um, but suffers from extreme, uh, what is that term? Imposter syndrome. That I, you know, I can't blame it on the church, but I can kind of blame it on that, like, because everything that was good about me was too much, I think. For the religious environment, for Church of Christ, anyway. For Church of Christ, absolutely. I mean, would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. I mean, probably. So... It was a diff it was so I felt like when I was engaged to this guy that I had like Haha, showed all you guys. You were gonna be like the first lady. Yeah. Secret basically. influence. Yeah, exactly. Um so I think I after that I was like, oh this is just a list of rules that don't really apply to everyone. Do you think, without, like, because I don't, I don't want to get too personal, but, you know, this relationship with the youth pastor or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, didn't work out. Right. Do you think without the heartbreak, you would have stayed on that path? Probably. But for how long? And who would I be? And who am I now? Who am I now? Think of sliding doors in Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. Do you ever think about that Caroline that exists in like some other alternate universe? The Caroline that's like the dutiful, you know, preacher's wife. Who's like, I love real simple. I loved real simple. I give up my dreams for. I baked this pie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I talked to all the teen <laughs> girls about their periods. <laughs> in the church. She's so funny. For all the kids. All the girls. I bet all the girls think that Caroline is hilarious. Yes, all the girls love Caroline. She's so funny. <laughs> to the girls. To the girls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's painful. And I, I probably shouldn't even laugh at that. Honestly. But. I'm sure that you didn't laugh at me as much as you should have in high school. I will say that. I'm like, I always liked you in high school. I know, but I'm, I'm sure you didn't laugh as much as you could have. And oh maybe my you gosh. didn't realize that's, that's it. That's heavy. Well, because here's the thing. I didn't really notice it until Jennifer Fowler. Do you know our friend? Is Jennifer Fowler someone you know? Sure. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. She pointed it out to me. She would be like... <laughs> that, I'm, that, I, that I'm not laughing? No, no. She would point it out to me that in general, men or boys that we were hanging out with would not laugh at me. And she would be crying laughing. And then... I think I always thought you were funny. But maybe I'm an, you know, I'm an exceptional man. I mean, yeah, you, you really know, are. Really. You are an exceptional man. Sure. <laughs> to think outside of the, this is my way to power. Sure. Which really is, like, sadly enough. To my own detriment, probably. I mean, I recently... Uh, Who doesn't want to be in charge? I, I recently flipped through the 48 Laws of Power, and it made me want to throw the fuck up. <laughs> How that, many matches? That actually people, like, I've, I mean, it totally rings Give me true. an example. It rings completely true, but, like, the concepts explored are entirely grotesque and disgusting. Okay, give me an example. You know, like, one of the one of the laws is, like, you know, always conceal your true intentions. Right, which is like dating. Or With dating a man. You know, uh, He's definitely going to be concealing. But we know, so is he really concealing it? You know, it's like, uh, <laughs> never rely on friends. You know, like, really, just, like, horrible principles. Well, I mean, just like the existential extreme. You know, it's like, be a cult figure. You know, make, make them dependent on you. Uh, take all of the credit, do none of the work. Yep. These are the laws. Which is very opposite the Tao Te Ching, which is what I would say if I followed any sort of teaching would be that of Lao Tzu. Yeah, this is like Machiavelli meets uh, the art of war. <laughs> I think. Yeah. A wrestler recommended it to me. Hilariously. I love that you're doing that in Memphis. That, that I'm doing wrestling? With yeah. these guys right over there? Yeah, for those only listening, I'm pointing at wrestlers. Wait. They're standing just right over there. there oh. The guy with the hair. I was going to say, the, the well, well clocked. Yeah, Dustin Star. Okay, awesome. I love it when men care about their appearance. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I love drag so much. Speaking of drag, anyway. Yeah, um, you know, straight, straight to straight white men not known for their tidiness. Right. <laughs> Generally. Hi everybody, it's no Dustin's an exception to that rule. Because, uh, because that's women's work, right? Like, why be Why do that? I don't know. Can you fix my hair when we're done? Yeah, for sure. So totally. Your child cool. wants to sign up for the cosplay Do you know contest, a woman that can clean my apartment? Minutes, so I'm the crazy person with all the feathers and sequins on. I figure once I figure that one out, I'll, I'll find a husband, right? Right. I'll be acceptable. It's interesting, though. Now I go to therapy a lot, most of the time. I go to therapy. Yeah. I don't go, actually. I just do it over the... Yeah, me too. I tele- love that. That's the best thing tele- to come out of... Teletherapy. Teletherapy. Speaking of harding and, 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 and uh, sexism... <laughs> Yes. Do, uh, do you remember uh, Mr. Pritchard, the history teacher? Yeah, Mr. Spoke with a lisp. Yeah, yeah. That's not cool to make fun of lisps. But I remember a joke he told the class once was, do you know the three uh, most uh, powerful methods of communication? What was it? Telephone, telegraph, telewoman. <laughs> 
Dr. Pritchard used to say to me in class? Shut up? No. 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 Get me a Pepsi. He would make a lot of jokes that were directed at me because he knew that I was probably one of the only students listening because I sat there taking notes. Right, right. And um, he was talking about marriage law. And he was like, listen up, you guys. Listen up, you guys, if you want to get married. Caroline, you don't have to listen to this part. <laughs> Do you know, and since we're scanning world religions, uh, in Mormon faith, many believe that the woman, uh, if she is unmarried, is unable to get into heaven. Because, like, uh, when a woman dies before her husband, her spirit goes to, like, uh, Mormon lady jail. Okay. And then the man, when he dies, finally has to go get her and take her into heaven. Because well, you cannot, men. you can't get in without your husband. Thank God for men. So, but, you dodged a bullet there on the I know. Church of Christ. Right? Yeah. So I still get to go to heaven, right? I'm just forever a weirdo. Yeah. As long as you don't speak. As long exactly. as you don't ascend to that stage don't today. Try to, don't try to get anyone else, any of the other girls, well, to do what you did. Yeah. Well, that's why we're recording this at the booth here. Because Lord knows we couldn't. Do it on stage. Dude, Lord knows. Yeah. But no, when I go to therapy and I tell my therapist. Or I get a new therapist and I tell him about my... I guess difficulties finding a relationship, even though, like, as if that were the goal in life. Um, they always point that out to me as well. And but they're also like, I mean, you live in the South, though. Like, <laughs> like what? What would you be expecting? Uh, you know, I'll always. I don't want to be blatant, and maybe so. There's this implicit bias, I guess, that men in the South have, and I'm not saying it's on purpose, but there is this kind of need to have a woman. Okay, there's a study that came out. I'm sure you've heard of it. I think I, it's uh, both men and women are looking for a sense of humor when they're looking for a mate. Sure. But they define it differently. I, th- I bet I can guess already is that suppose the, the premise here being is that women are looking for someone to make them laugh and men are looking for someone to laugh at their jokes. Yes. Yes. Um, men, in general, for some, and maybe it's not, it's not even in the South, but, um, but also I am not, I have already tried to kind of meld myself to another man's, multiple men's dreams. If that makes sense, to kind of just do, like, make my life about them. And um, I'm, I've been single for quite a long time now, and my life is 100% about me. And so that might, it might be difficult for me to be in a relationship, if that makes sense. Yeah, but you seem, you seem pretty comfortable and cool with it. I mean, it's fine. I could probably do with some more. My therapist would probably tell me that I should be more, less dependent, you know, more. Yeah. And the thing is, I think what I'm looking for is someone that's not that dependent on me. Because I need someone to clean my apartment. <laughs> I need a woman to come and clean my apartment. <laughs> Maybe you're playing for the wrong team. See, that's the thing. It's not a choice. I know. <laughs> and I made that joke for, um, in front of a lot of lesbian friends. And they, oh, were, yeah. and they were like, ha ha ha, except you're not gay. <laughs> so, you know. Unless I'm bi, is that bi, is that bi eraser? Am I erasing bi people? I don't know. I mean, no, I don't think so. Could I be bisexual? I don't want to be in a relationship with a woman. Do you? <laughs> I mean, no. Yes, of course. <laughs> I mean, 
mean, if I if I had to be in, is this okay that I did this? Yeah, yeah, touch it. Is this okay that I did that? You can touch the microphone. Yes. Um, if I had to be in a relationship with a woman, I think I would want it to be Jennifer. Wow. That's cool. Do you disagree? Do I disagree <laughs> that you would want it to be Jennifer? Or that um, Jennifer is a great woman to be in a relationship with? No, I don't Am I putting you that. on the spot? No, I mean, I mean, of course, you know, that is what I would say. I know all, I know all relationships are difficult, just as yeah. your relationship with yourself is probably the most difficult. Yeah, that for sure. It's the one I've had to put the most work into, and, you know, I'm still in therapy, so... Do you think you'll ever not be in therapy? I don't know what will happen when my relationship with my current therapist runs its course. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't foresee, like, ever, like, voluntarily stopping with her, but, um... A lot if, of times they graduate. But if they, if she were to graduate me, or if, like, insurance something happened that I couldn't continue to see her or whatever, then, um... I don't know if I would immediately, you know, I don't know what I would, I really don't know. Because I, I feel so, I mean, honestly, I've been so attached to my current therapist, and I've had meh experiences with other ones. Yeah. I just don't know if I would even want to go back to the meh thing, you know? Right. Like, I'm really tight with my current therapist, so. That's important. Yeah. Um, I think I probably would have kept my therapist in Georgia if I could have insurance would have worked with it. Yeah. Um, but honestly, you know, it's better than most, but teacher's insurance in Tennessee is not the top tier. My uh, my copay for therapy is $40. No, that's not bad. That's, I think that's mine too. Or maybe it's $25. But how long have you been teaching? I, so I've been teaching for over 10 years, but I've been teaching in public schools now. I taught one year after college, and I'm about, I'm about to finish my, like, a year and a half. I started in the middle of the year at, here in Memphis. Right. What brought you back? The teaching gig? The teaching gig, and I... Because you were in Chicago, and then you were somewhere in Georgia. I was in Georgia, and I was doing fine. I was teaching part-time at a technical college online, and I was also teaching online to kids in China through this thing called VIP Kids that, um, that, I mean, I, together, those two things made up a decent income. Um, and I was living in the country and, you know, running around, playing outside. It was a lot of fun. It was like being a kid. Um, and then China made this rule that they, they didn't want any more foreign teachers. So they basically, in essence, shut down VIP Kid. And, like, it was a big deal here in America. Like, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, teachers and non-teachers, well, all teachers, would do it. And we would just teach English to little kids in China, like, super early in the morning because of the time difference. Yeah. Um, but then I, so I lost half my income, and I could either, and I was living in a small town in Georgia, and there wasn't, like, a ton I could do for, you know, I have a master's degree, and I was, you know, I could make minimum wage. But, um, so I, what did I do? I decided I could move to Atlanta and start over again uh, and teach, you know, high school or something in Atlanta. I could get a job teaching, you know, 30, 45 minutes away from where I lived in Dahlonega, or I could go home and be closer to my mom and just Memphis. Yeah. 
get a job teaching without a certificate because I had a master's degree and it was, you know, a teaching shortage as usual. Sure. So you didn't have anything lined up, you just came? No, I had a, I had a job at Kingsbury. Okay. So, yeah, but now I teach at Overton. That's cool. Yeah. It's a, um, uh-oh. What? You might, should, should you edit that out? I don't know. Should we? Just don't say anything weird about it. Okay, but did I say weird things before? I don't know. No, I love it. I love teaching. It's fun. Are you still doing comedy? Yes, I don't do it as much. I asked you a question that I know the answer already. But that's okay. I'm just setting you up. You are, thanks. That was really good. I'm putting it on the team for you. Well done. Yeah. Um, yes, but not as much during the school year because teaching really does take a lot. I could imagine having to be bright-eyed and bushy-tailed for children or yeah. teenagers. You really can't phone it in yeah. at all or, you know, someone will beat you. <laughs> someone will destroy you. Yeah. So, you know, you have to go in kind of... 110%, even though that's impossible. And most of the time, I'm good to be like 98. But you make relationships with the kids, and high school's great because they're they're very like, oh man, life sucks, doesn't it? And you're like, yeah, but it's fun, you know? And try to, you get to be the one that tries to get them through that last push, which is the hardest part because I teach seniors. It's, wow. But anyway, it takes a lot. But mostly chasing people and being like, you have to do this. You have to graduate. If there has to be an emotional toll, especially if you're like struggling to get kids to get over that, that final hurdle. Yeah. Well, and once you, you know, you develop these relationships with the kids, you know, you're their parents when their parents are working. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, I'm pretty good at compartmentalizing, but a lot of times I just come home and stare at the wall for like an hour. Has it, is it in the act? Are you doing like, I'm a teacher jokes in the act? I'm working it in there. Yeah. I'm working it because like right now I'm just trying to balance the emotional and mental energy of teaching with writing and and getting into the comedy scene in Memphis because I kind of started in the summer and then was like, I can manage this through the school year, but then of course, sometimes yeah. I just sleep. I just go to work, I come home and I sleep. Do you get occasion, has has your improv training informed like your teaching process? I can, um, yeah. It informs everything that I do. Sure. So, because... I'm doing a character right now. I mean, <laughs> no, I think the biggest thing that I get from improv is to find the game. If there's a game in everything. something I don't think I'm enjoying, I just leave for the time. <laughs> if there's no way, but most of the time I can find a way to enjoy something. Yes, and? No. Okay, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's all I know about improv, honestly, is yes, and. Uh, yes, and. It's, do, you, do you understand what that means? The philosophy behind that? I think so. But if you want to explain it for the listeners, go ahead. Oh, well. Professor Allen, please tell us. Oh, well, yes and is the idea that you don't really shut anybody down, right? It, yeah. All ideas, if you, especially if you're working, if you're collaborating with people, all ideas are good ideas. If someone throws you an idea, and instead of saying no, you say yes, and we 
could also do this. You build upon it. You build upon it. So if we, if we communicate that way, so improv. It's the wise man builds his house upon the rock. Is what you're saying. Yeah, basically. <laughs> wise man builds his house upon the rock. The wise man builds his house upon the rock. The wise man builds his house upon the rock, and the rains came tumbling down. You know, I want to do a uh, Chapel Songs podcast. Honestly, that would be amazing. Uh, well, I mean, maybe it'd just be like a series within we, Back to the Light. But... Should we bring in instruments? Like, I can play the flute or the recorder. I mean, you know that would be against God's original intention. Right? True, true. I mean, it would be sinful. Sure. For sure. But no, I mean, there's so many factors involved in, you know, when I think back about all those terrible songs and, you know, the... The cultural, like, reappropriation of, like, the terror, like, Shut Me Doe, like, a room of white children singing Shut Me Doe, or, like, um, the confused sexuality, like, if you just change the lyrics from Jesus to, to girl or boy, they, right. it, it works the same, um, you know. Now have sex with each other. Yeah, it's so, I mean, the, the asinine melodies and... Sex is bad, now you're married, the, sex is amazing. The cultists, sort of, you know, you think that it, it like, there's so much damage that it did. So one day you're going to have to find a, a man to take care of you, Caroline. Yeah. That's what people used to tell me all the time. As the deer. And I think that for a long time, panted for the water. So my soul after the... They never go You away. alone are my heart's desire. Think about saying that to, the, to Jesus. <laughs> like, that's what he wants to hear. You alone are my heart's desire. It sounds like you're about to go whack off. Oh, no, now I'm really uncomfortable. Sorry. <laughs> you will, I mean, I think the, the danger, the biggest danger for that with me was that I was, and that, I, and you probably would agree with me, there's a lot of language in the Bible telling women to look for men, for men to be like Christ, and for women to look for a man like Christ. Sure. So, I was looking for a Lord and Savior, even though my my brain was like, this is not conducive, right. this is not conducive. This is not alarm. <laughs> this is not yeah. okay. Hence, anxiety and depression, yeah. all these years there's a, definitely an extra layer. I mean, it sucks to have to. I mean, I just feel I feel bad because like boys don't have to think about that, you know. And it's just a, like I think that I had it rough, or that like the, the, the church like effed me up a little bit, and it certainly did. Yeah, absolutely. But, and I wouldn't deny you that. But not like that. Right. Women were easy targets. Everybody in the world is doing that to women somehow. And yes, putting them on this weird pedestal in this other way. Right. Be perfect. Be a virgin. Be pure. Beautiful. Here, let's. Here's a sash for you to wear. <laughs> yeah. Look at you, Miss. <laughs> little Miss You. 2023. <laughs> 2023. Little Miss You. <laughs> well, Caroline. Yes, have... and that was me. Yes, and you. Thank you. That's that's yes and in I don't want you, I don't want this to end, JD. <laughs> Hold on tight. <laughs> do you need to get some plugs in? Should we do some plugs? Sure, I don't have much to plug right now. You should have something to plug. I really should. You should have a podcast or something of your own. I should have a TikTok. 
TikTok page, really. All my kids are like, you have a really? TikTok? I mean, you don't think so? I don't know. I honestly have never once looked at TikTok. I thought about doing... Uh, it's, it's interesting. You can find... It's an algorithm. It finds what you like, and eventually it sucks you in. I just... I know. I just don't, don't need it. You can pull yourself out. I know that... You can pull yourself out of TikTok, Jay. I couldn't even... Get, I couldn't get into LinkedIn, either, for oh, whatever no, reason. Could, I don't know. Some who, people do. Marvin Stockwell tell, tells me I should be more active on LinkedIn. I just don't know. Yeah. I have friends that have gotten jobs via LinkedIn. Yeah. What? But TikTok, it's, it's where all the kids are. It's where all the kids are. You, is there an app, Nancy Caroline Allen, on TikTok? Do you want to plug your socials? I mean, no. What fuck is my podcast It's just you, your life. I mean, you can talk to people, certainly, like I do. Right. Or, I mean, you can tell your life story. You can talk about improv. I mean, Lord knows, we just spent, however long we just spent talking about stuff you did, and we probably left out a whole bunch of stuff. We did. We left out Europe. Yep. See? <laughs> How, so, you how's know, that Europe? Oh, you know, sometimes I miss it. Sometimes I miss the healthcare. But it was easy. See, we got it. <laughs> we got it in there. So, you know, when they tell you it's not easy, oh, it's not, I, I wasn't even English, but I, I could still get English healthcare. Because cool. I had a job. That's all you really need. <laughs> yeah? I think we did it. I think we did it. Thanks for coming down here. Um, I had fun. It was cool. Yeah. If we do this Chapel Songs podcast, I mean, you know, I'll probably call you back. Yeah, I guess, I mean, uh, yeah, I'd love that. And I guess to plug myself, my name is Caroline Allen. I, yeah. Or Nancy Caroline Allen. But usually with NCA, comedy. Hashtag NCA. Hashtag NCA. But normally if I'm going to do comedy, it'll be Caroline Allen. So just look for look for that name. I Scout, like, obsess over it. I feel like, we had, it a, down, I feel like we had a song at one point called NCA or something. About me? Okay. Yeah. Or, I feel like he just thanked me in all the albums in a different way. But you were certainly addressed. Okay. Let's let's be yeah. <laughs> the subject was maybe in you know allegory or you know I don't think know, I think regardless of what you look like people. or how you act I don't think I would ever be comfortable with someone being obsessed with me. Really? Yeah. In reality, it's kind of, I I actually believe it or not had it happened to me like once that I had like a stalkery kind of person and you liked following it? me around. No, I had to do. Yeah, that's the thing. Like I just it, even if it was you know. It was, it was deeply Chris uncomfortable. Evans or something like that. I'd be like, chill, Chris Evans. I felt this weird. I felt this weird, like, I felt like I had to be nice. I should be nice. I should be respectful. But also, like, it was a big pain in the ass. That's pretty much what it was like. Yeah. But, you know, as, as a boy, that's only really happened to me once. You know, Congrats. In a town full of Ben Nichols and whoever else. You know. Has he been, have women, I'm sure women have been obsessed yeah, yeah. with him. Girls are into Ben Nichols. It yeah. just seems like a... I'm into Ben Nichols. He might be, is he toxic masculinity or is oh, he I not? No, he's a sweet guy. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know. He's probably done some crazy shit on the road. I have no idea. Is he a sad narcissist? I don't know him that well to speak to it, honestly. Okay. But he's a nice guy to me. Okay. You know, I don't know him at all. He's been he's been nothing but sweet to me. I'm just judging. He sang, he sang on my record twice. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. But you're a really sweet person. I try to be. I'm sweet. Some people don't think so. If you so. catch me at the right time, which is a lot of the time, but if you catch me at the wrong time. Yeah. I think this, my students understand that, like, if you are disrespectful to me, 
That's when you drop the, you lay the smack of down. Yeah. Like, if I tell you to do something and you ignore me, which I've done this recently, I mean, I'm able to, like, yell at you and then have another kid be like, hey, can I go to the bathroom? And then immediately say, absolutely, take the pass. Like, so they know, and they think it's funny, but they also listen. Yeah. If that makes sense. Sure. I think I... I was letting a class kind of work on their own. Do you want me to stop talking? No, no. I was letting a class kind of work on their own once, and um, they got a little too loud, and then someone yelled, I guess, at someone else. And I went, no yelling! Like, and everyone got really quiet, and I said, only me! Only me! And that's the story of your life. And that's the story of your life. In a nutshell. Yeah, no yelling. you pointing at yourself. Only me. Uh, Only me! Only me! I'm the top dog. I'm the top dog. No more boys. No more boys like Jesus. No more Jesus boys. That could be a good episode title. Yeah, no more. No Jesus. more boys like Jesus. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Caroline. No problem. Light is produced by J.D. Rieger, associate producer Eric Wilson. The opening theme is Arthur with two H's. The closing theme is Joey Pegram of Shabadoo. For more episodes, music, and other fine podcasts, visit backtothelight.net.